Bernadette submitted by Dave. 2017, the Bernadette experience has continued. To quickly recap, I used to work at a spa. It was slightly haunted and my coworkers didn't believe me until now. I told my supervisor Maddie about Bernadette when she first started working there. Initially, she didn't believe me. Then one late night, Maddie had to finish some paperwork and reports that were time sensitive. She arrived about 11 p.m. She was alone in the building. It's going to take about a half hour or so to do everything. After some time went by, Maddie heard some heavy footsteps coming down the stairs, which was at the other side of the building. A few minutes later, she hears a toilet. The bathroom was on the other side of the wall from her office. At that point, Maddie had enough and bolted out of the building as fast as she could, not finishing her work. Maddie told me this a couple of days after it happened. There was a new employee named Shauna. No one told her about Bernadette, mainly because nobody believed me or the other employees trying to share about Bernadette. I decided if Bernadette was going to reveal herself, she'll do it in her own way. Shauna was vacuuming the upstairs. The time was about 8.30 a.m. before the doors opened for the day. Suddenly, the vacuum cleaner shuts off. After investigating and seeing the cord had been pulled out of the wall, she assumed she did it herself accidentally. The second time, it happened less than a minute later. Shauna knew that wasn't her fault and now felt that she wasn't alone. That was too much. She left everything as is, ran downstairs and outside, not finishing her responsibilities. Shauna waited outside until another employee showed up. The second occurrence happened a few days later. Shauna was again preparing for the day. This time, she was in the woman's locker room, setting up the robes, towels, etc. As she was in the middle of everything, two toilets flushed simultaneously, one after the other. That kind of freaked her out, but not as bad as realizing she was the only one in the building. Trying to finish the setup as quickly as she could, Shauna sneezed, hearing a woman's voice whisper in her ear, Bless you. Shauna ran out of the building, and from that day on, she vowed to not be in the building alone. Both occurrences happened when I wasn't working. I'd always hear about what happened days later. Trying to minimize the situation, I said, all she wants is acknowledgement. Neither one of them were having that. Too weird, they said. After the last occurrence, Shauna didn't take her responsibilities as seriously, especially the ones that had her be alone or open or close a spa. She didn't last that long after that. Okay, welcome to True Scary Stories with Edie. This is the podcast where two stand-up comedians give you their expertise on some of the most haunting and horrifying experiences known to man. Yep. Yep, and there's commentary on this, so if you don't like commentary, then you should check out Just the Terror. That's our podcast that comes out every Sunday, and it's just Nick reading different stories. So if you don't like this, you might like that. If you want to submit your scary story to us the way that our friend here did, you can do that on the Facebook group, which is at True Scary Stories with Edie. You can also read other people's story there, share scary memes, ideas, spooky stuff. Yeah. That's it, right? That's pretty much it. Yeah, I did really good on that You know what, I'll say this. Thank you to everybody that tunes in to Just the Terror. There's about, uh, there's a good amount of you that do. Yeah, and I have read that some people enjoy Just the Terror more than they like True Scary Stories. (gasps) Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so what we got here is a classic ghost. This is a ghost. This used to be a person. Maybe before this was a gym, it was something else. Who knows? But I definitely think what you're dealing with here is a ghost of a past person, especially the way that she said, thank you, which is very polite. And yeah. something very human, and I think it's like a, it's a uh, reflex response. 
when yeah. someone says something to be like, oh, thank you. She and, said, bless you. Or bless you. Yeah. Bless you. Knee-jerk response, you know? Sneeze, mm -hmm. bless you. Polite. So that's what makes me think it is a yeah. actual just person still hanging around for some reason. Um, and just pretty lonely, it sounds like. Yeah, well, she's there at the spa all day. Everybody yeah. leaves after a while. It's not 24 hours. Yeah, I was getting the idea that this was a gym for some reason. You know, a gym with like a spa and stuff. But well, it, I guess it could towels. be a spa. Yeah. yeah. I used to work at a gym and it was a 24-hour gym where people could have fitness 24 hours. What and was let it, me tell what you. What was it called? I can't remember. Oh. Uh, it was called... Lots of workout, forever workout, worst oh, job, worst yes, job, forever workout, forever workout. Yeah, one of the worst jobs in the world. I'm not sure, but I mean, I used to work there. It was open all night, and there would be very spooky things that would happen in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah, there would actually be a lot of crackheads who would come in and uh, like want to use the treadmill to like run off their uh, highs. Yeah, like sweat out their high or something, yeah. and then people would pass out all the time trying to do that. Yeah, I was in a steam room one time in a, one of those forever uh, gyms. <laughs> oh yeah, workout forever. Yeah, workout forever gyms. And, <laughs> workout uh, seven days a week. It was at one a.m. and there was a creepy guy in there doing yeah. something he shouldn't have been doing. They closed the spa in the West Hollywood location because of that. Oh Because no. people uh, go in there and uh, work out forever. Uh, but yeah, I used to work at one of those and it was very, very creepy. Um, and it's really scary to have something to happen to you when you're vacuuming. Mm -hmm. You're so vulnerable. It's almost like being in the shower. Whenever I'm vacuuming, I think it's because it's so loud. First of all, dogs run away. So that scares you because you're like, okay, not even dogs want to be around this. Yeah. And then I think it's just the idea that you won't hear something coming up. So that scares me that she that she ran into that when she was vacuuming. I would haunt somebody yeah, if I was a ghost while they were vacuuming, but it's I would so let scary. them trap me in the vacuum and it'd be silly. <laughs> okay, good. Oh, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Bernadette, very creepy name. I don't yeah. think that's her real name. No, I think I that's think, the one that Dave gave her. Yeah, I think he was just like, well, that's a creepy name. And I completely agree. Uh, do we have any other listener story this nope, week? No, that's it. All right, then we're like, getting on to today's topic. And we are getting on to today's topic, which is stories from the military. Was that the military yeah, song? I don't know. I, it, start, it started to sound like the Star Wars song, so I was like, oh, crap, I better make it different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is the military song? Um, I, I mean, mean I, know, just... I, know what the mil I know what songs there are, but I mean, like, did they have, like, a particular oh, beat? Oh, I know. Young men. No. There's no place to do, do. Not, not I with, say young man. Not one with words. Oh. Because then we'll be uh, God Bless the USA. Yeah. Or something like that. But I'm talking about like, da, 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 da. Like, do they have their own? This has gone way too far. Uh, Probably the... How about this? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Good. I'm glad we figured that out. Great. Before we get on to this very interesting topic, uh, we want to set out a special shout out to Chrissy and her eight year old and five year old. They listened to the podcast and they wanted to get a little shout out. She didn't say what their names were, but they're eight and five and they'll lose their minds. Well, that's good. Do not put your kids' names on the internet. Yeah. We'll just call them Cool Kid One, Cool Kid Two. And yeah. then. We want to send a special thanks to George because he's always on the Facebook group posting cool stuff. I'll call him Booger Face and Butt butts. Ears. <laughs> butt Ears? Yeah. Okay, That's Booger a five Face year old. and Butt Ears. Chrissy's kid. All right. This first story is called... <laughs> You're so stupid. 
This first story is called Ghost on a Post. I served in the U.S. Marine Corps from 2009 until 2014. I say that to set a baseline for the story I'm about to tell you. In 2012, I was detached from my unit, a Fast 6 platoon in Norfolk, Virginia, and sent to augment the MA's Master at Arms Navy talk for military, military police at NSA Hampton Roads. I mostly stood gate guard, checking IDs and bags, very boring stuff. One of my posts that I stood all the time was actually the Marine base there in Norfolk, Camp, Camp Allen. Now, the rumor is that Camp Allen used to cover almost three times the amount of the area that it does now, and that the base itself once served as an intermittent camp during World War II. This is semi-believable because all the old barbed wire on the base fences... Mm, all the old barbed wire on the base faces inward like they were trying to keep people in. I've Google searched it and was never able to find any concrete evidence. The Camp Allen Guard Shack was pretty unremarkable and still relatively new when I started taking the post. At the time, there had been a series of gate runners, so the MAs ramped up security and started to post multiple guards at each post overnight, 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. After a few weeks of standing the post with MAP, we noticed that every night around 3.30, we'd hear a large metallic thunk at the post, almost as if someone were dragging their feet as they entered into the post and hit the door frame. We told our fellow gate guards, but no one really believed us. One night, at 3.20, we set up one of our phones near the door to try and catch the thunk while recording a voice memo. At 3.30, we heard the thunk, but when we played back the recording at the point of the thunk, all you could hear was a harsh whisper. It sounded like someone going... M-A-P. And I ended up playing back the recording on his computer and slowing down the tss and what we heard sounded a whole like, a whole lot like, get out. Freaked us out pretty bad, but that didn't stop us from ghost hunting for the next three months. So they did their own little EVP. Yeah. So they listened for the ghost, they heard it, and then they were scared. That's basically what you do with an EVP. Um, I don't know. I think when you're in these situations where you're... Uh, like deployed somewhere or something like that you're a little scared and I wonder if that already plays into maybe hearing things a little more but I also do think there's lots of ghosts and things surrounding the military because of how many people have died in such tragic ways well yeah well this is Norfolk Virginia so a lot of people died there have died there yeah Virginia is one of the first uh, settled places yeah and the idea that it's an intermittent how do I say it intermittent yeah, camp, which is basically where I, I believe they put the uh, Japanese during World War II. Okay. Um, you know, in our own little camps that we had here. I wonder them. with, like, the progress of phones and things like that, if we're going to see more ghosts caught, especially with, like, surveillance 24-7 now. As that becomes more accessible in cars and things like that, I'm sure we are going to get more ghost videos. It just seems like most of the ghost videos and things we find, the, the EVPs, are all very grainy or they're not great evidence i i think we're getting them the problem is is the digital uh twitch right where people are like well i don't know that could just be someone walking by at the right, uh, right frame of rate i think that we have seen some very compelling uh video we saw a military ghost uh selling oh, yeah. us tanks <laughs> yeah, yeah i remember that we saw a video of a ghost coming behind a tank that was as clear as day like a ghost obviously and they're and there's no mistaking it at all. So they definitely do hang around these areas. They're still ghosting it up. Uh, I wonder if in the future there will be ghosts looking for their phone. 
because you, <laughs> when you die, you don't have a phone anymore. And our generation is the generation that grew up with phones. Yeah. So I wonder if some of them are going to be confused and be like, where's my phone? Can someone I, call me? I don't think they'll be looking at their phone, but they're going to be looking for outlets to charge. Oh. <laughs> Glowing. As a Marine, I used to have the graveyard patrol shift at the Beirut bombing memorial. Part of the memorial is dedicated to a veteran cemetery. Oddly enough, I never got freaked out being completely alone in a remote cemetery in the middle of the night, surrounded by dense woods on all sides. It's actually kind of peaceful, to be honest. However, one night, I was patrolling near the perimeter fence where some of the oldest headstones are when I heard the sound of a woman humming. I followed the sound and noticed a light glowing through the vines and a brush of a large tree. As I approached, I could literally feel my hair beginning to lift as if there was an electric current in the air. I pushed aside the brush and what I saw nearly took my breath away. It was an old weathered headstone with a large cross etched into the marble. Only the cross was glowing a bright vivid blue, like a neon blue. The humming was also suddenly much louder and had a weird polarity to it, like it was coming from hundreds of voices at once. Needless to say, I freaked out. I screamed like a scared little girl and sprinted back to the parking lot. I radioed the guard who was supposed to relieve me and forced him to come early, then spent the rest of my shift in the cab of his truck. I don't think he believed me, but he stayed in his truck and didn't go out on patrol until the sun was finally up. A few days later, I worked up the nerve to return to the grave, during the day of course. As I suspected, in the light of day, it was a completely mundane headstone. There was no name, only the aforementioned cross. I ran my hands over the stone and checked to see if maybe there was some sort of hidden light source or a solar panel, but no, it was just a plain, solid, unremarkable stone. The humming was gone too. I eventually returned to my normal shift, but never again experienced anything out of the ordinary. I never learned whose grave that was either, but I find myself thinking about it from time to time. It certainly sounds absurd when I say it out loud, and I suppose it could have been a hallucination or a trick of my tired brain, but I don't believe it was. I think it was real, a ghost or spirit of some sort, but I don't think it was malevolent at all. We have the same problem in this lamp uh, about a block away from <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> from where I live. There, It's very loud and very bright. Um very very annoying <laughs> but i wonder okay so first i thought this was a this was a ghost making this noise right mm-hmm. i thought oh there's a ghost walking around making this noise and i was like maybe it's like a guardian of the area or something but then he said it was the grave it's the stone itself and mm-hmm. the stone was unmarked yeah it says unmarked i wonder if that has something to do with it you know how like unmarked graves are supposed to be really bad for ghosts like when you par- bury them in like a mass grave or something like that the yeah. disrespect yeah so it looks like someone tried to pay respect to this person by mm. putting a headstone but they didn't maybe know what to put or maybe it was so old that it had worn off and maybe the spirit had a problem with that like hey man i don't have my name on this you know yeah you know the dead are very um very touchy. They get very triggered <laughs> when you don't feel, they don't feel like they're being respected in the way that in death. Yeah, and I wonder maybe if the headstone was like a memorial headstone in the sense of like this is for many soldiers that we couldn't identify. Right. Because there are oh, some like that. Yeah, there are. And or I wonder what the headstone was made out of. If it was maybe possibly made out of something with some magnetic, you know, like elements in it. 
like some kind of rocks that are like uh oh you're giving the government explanation oh uh, like you know like some kind of rocks that have some kind of like magnetic energy and then because of some like uh interference with technology nearby maybe they picked it up some kind of electrical conduction i mean it could be you know what i'm saying it could magnets vibration yeah there's a lot here uh to unpack that yeah, because, like, static, he said that his hair stood up. His hair stood up like electricity. Right. Yeah, so maybe there was something electrical in the air. You know, they do a lot of, um, military do a lot of testing and stuff like that with various things. It could be, like, some kind of testing going on or something they're using that's putting out, like, some, like, uh, electrical frequency. Yeah. And it may be just bouncing off the headstone. Yeah, or... Mythbusters let me, let me with Edie Let me give you a romantic story. Okay. Okay. So it was a soldier that died in the war, right? And his wife lived a very long time, widowed, never married again, uh, always remembered, finally passed, and came to the grave to finally join her husband who was waiting there for her. And when they joined, they formed this neon blue light of electricity as they passed into the afterlife together. I love it. Very romantic. It's much more romantic than radiation or something yes. like that. Uh, it's hard to make radiation romantic. Night Stalkers. Most of these entries that I'm about to share with you are still highly classified, and I doubt my former supervisors would not be too kindly to reveal this information. I was a special operations technician from 2006 up until 2012. Within that time, I had seen things that make me understand now why our government keeps a lot of secrets. I will not reveal any information about myself, and all the names that will be used are fake for the protection of my former squad mates. When I first became part of my regiment, codenamed Night Stalkers, I'd been told that I would be involved in operations that would be deemed classified for national security. I'd been under the impression that it was just simple protocol until I went on my first patrol in November of 2006. My regiment was first deployed to Iraq in that November. While I won't go into detail about our mission, I will tell you something that did happen. We were about two clicks north of Fallujah, making a southbound route towards Fallujah's outskirts. It's about 3 a.m., and we hadn't encountered any major conflict, when out of nowhere, a bright light illuminated all of the desert around us. My battle buddy DJ and I, along with the rest of my nine-man squadron, got down thinking that the hostiles had our location and had shot off a flare to confirm and locate our position. We all hunkered down, weapons aimed. I finally looked up to see and locate as to where the flare was shot off from. I noticed something. It wasn't a flare. A massive glowing sphere was levitating about 30 yards off of the ground. I pulled my radio out and called into our forward command center. It went something along the lines of this. Blackjack to FCC. We have made contact with an unknown object, unknown origin. Roger, Blackjack. ID object, stay put. No markings, about 30 yards off the ground. Flying? Negative. Floating? My radio began capping out on me, and it became hard to hear incoming messages. So we stayed quiet on edge as we continued watching this object floating. Suddenly, a massive sound broke the silence and the object darted off. When I say this sound was loud, my ears bled and it took me about five minutes to regain hearing. When we reported back to HQ, we were told not to say anything to anyone. My squad discussed all the possibilities of what we saw. In the end, we all agreed on it as it being an unidentified flying object of an unknown origin. 
I think military people see these kinds of things all the time. I've seen like several interviews where um, the like pilots in the military have reported seeing them alien spacecraft come out of the ocean. Which well, I believe for a long time. Yeah, because what we are protecting, essentially, military is protecting, of course, sacred sites, oil, battlegrounds, and testing sites. Right. And I, I think that one of the pilots, uh, there's been video and the pilot is trying to explain what had happened. And, you know, these aren't people that are uh, looking to see something or people who are uncredible. These are some of the most credible men and women in the world. Yeah. Very factual people. And they're like, yeah, it, well, you know, we fly over the ocean. We see the craft come out of the ocean and then we'll usually see it and then it'll disappear and it'll pop up somewhere else. And someone will be like, okay, now I have eyes on it, but it's like teleportation and things like that. But we know nothing about the ocean. So if they're coming, that's where they're coming from. And I believe that a lot of military do see them. Yeah. 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 What do you make of this story? Um, I mean, it's, it's exactly what you said. I think, I mean, it, it could have been, it, you know, they probably would say, oh, it, it was just a, a, uh, testing. That's all we were doing. That's all we saw. Um, but what you said makes sense. Yeah. And it seems like they're not even really trying to cover it up that much anymore. Cause you have things like the Arizona lights or whatever, which so many people see aliens and they're just like, yeah, we don't know. Okay. We don't know. And that seems to be good enough for people now. Yeah. But yeah, definitely they do see stuff out there. And it's got to feel weird because it's like you're so powerless to do anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> you're supposed to be protecting people. But I, ugh, that's got to be scary to be in the sky with those kind of things. I think uh, everything that the military faces is pretty scary. Unless they're based in Hawaii, then they're okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've seen MASH and it did seem very scary. Yes, yes. <laughs> Flagpole of Doom I served in the United States military as a petty officer in the Navy as a master-at-arms. I served the entirety of my tour in Okinawa, Japan, which, if you are in the Navy, is one of the most boring billets out there. The first year and a half there, I probably only had two calls, both being medical emergencies. We have three tiny bases that absolutely almost nothing happens on, and a small little patch of land on the largest base on the island, Kadena, Joint Air Base, for our offices and HQ. The entirety of us, MAs, are split into different sections. For obvious reasons, I won't go into many details with that, but needless to say, we did have night shifts. This did not happen to me, but my section was on shift the night it happened, and I had an almost front row seat for the entire thing. At night, we had to make multiple rounds to make sure our buildings are locked, no one is trying to break in. Again, not going to say how or when, but on this night, we'd at least already made a check on the building, so we knew everything was kosher. The group of MAs I'm assigned to is on Camp Shields, which is right down the road from the base and where we come from in order to do our checks. Since the buildings are on Cadena, the Air Force Security Forces also patrol the area and usually help us out. One night, we get a call from the Air Force dispatcher, and they say that they had just received a call from our HQ building. No one spoke on the other end, but it was a solid 10 seconds of silence before the dispatcher heard the phone get hung up. The supervisor for our group, another higher ranking petty officer who I've worked with for a while and is a super cool dude, takes one of the other guys and they load up and zip down there. When they come around the bend to where the buildings are, they first notice they see our HQ and that one of the side doors is wide open and it's nothing but pitch black inside. 
Again, we had checked the building earlier and knew that this door was shut, locked, and secure. So what was probably the first time in what legitimately had to be at least 10 years, our officers drew their weapons and cleared the building for a real-life situation. It may not shock any of you to learn they didn't find anyone or anything out of place. There's a pretty good chance that the whole thing was a prank, but Okinawa is one of the most haunted places on earth, and that place is super creepy at night, even with another person and a gun. One night, I was assigned there. I happened to not be fully geared up for reasons, and we happened to be short-staffed that night, cause reasons. We had to check the building, and only I was available. So I alone, with nothing but a flashlight, had to walk around and between these buildings in the middle of the night in the pitch black, and I don't mind admitting, I was terrified. I was rounding the corner to the front of the HQ and all of a sudden I hear pounding feet coming toward me. I jump about a mile in the air, fumble the flashlight, and am jerking myself in all directions trying to find whoever it is. I realize after that moment that the sound is still going and I look up to see the flag flapping in the wind. Honestly, not one of my best moments, lol. There are tons of ghost stories and urban legends in the base if anyone is curious and wants me to post them. If you use Google Images to search CFAO, Headquarters Okinawa, the very first result is our HQ. You can see the flagpole of doom. Oh, and I just looked it up, but I can't spell Okinawa. Okinawa. I can't spell it at all. Yeah. Um, it seems like Japan has a lot. I know they have a lot of cryptids and really like scary demons. They have the Teki Teki. Remember we learned about that? Oh, yeah. That's really scary. They have some, I don't mean to stereotype, but Japanese people stay being ghosts, man. <laughs> they love it, man. I don't know what it is, but they got the, some of the scariest things go down there. Oh, we dropped two atomic bombs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some bad things have happened there for sure and that might be um that might be a reason why there's so much paranormal activity there but they do have like a lot of demons and stuff there and some of the scariest movies you'll ever see come from are japanese movies uh horror movies are really scary remember the grudge yeah wasn't that a japanese movie it started out in wreck that definitely and wreck definitely that's like one of the scariest movies Mm -hmm. ever too i haven't even seen the japanese one because it's so scary but yeah, I've heard that Okinawa is a very, very haunted place. Yeah. A lot of suicides and things like that go down there, oh, right? Oh, that's right. The forest right? is there too. I was wondering why I remembered it, but is the suicide forest there? It's in Japan, I Or believe. is that uh, where they keep all those weird dolls? <laughs> no, no, no. That's in Brazil. That's in a, on an island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's a forest in Japan. I'm not sure if it's in Okinawa, but it is where a lot of people go to commit suicide, suicide and, forest. And that's where Logan Paul committed career suicide. Indeed. What an idiot. Okay, we just looked it up and it's not the same place. No. <laughs> Both islands about 40 hours apart but they're next to each other actually but they're japan yeah they're far apart all right uh this next story is called salisbury i've been in the army cadets since i was 12 years old i'm a female from south of england roughly 5'8 but built as i take part in mixed martial arts i joined the cadets because my mother thought it would be good for me and it was i made so many great friends and have kept longtime mates This is a true story about a damn scary experience I had while on the expedition on Salisbury Plains. It is a military training camp, but they let the cadets use it when they're not there. I was 17 when this happened. I'd just been promoted to sergeant, the youngest sergeant in my company. I have no proof except my word that this happened. I'll change the names in order to keep everyone anonymous. Me and another sergeant, an adult, and 12 cadets between the ages of 14 and 16 
had been booked to go on an expedition to get the cadets to a higher rank or star level. Me and the other sergeant, let's call him Smith, were going to help them navigate, set up tents and so on. The adult was to supervise. It was supposed to be a 15 to 20k expedition and take two days to finish and make it back to camp. I helped the one female cadet pack her bergen and brief her with the other cadets. Me and the other female cadet were to share a tent, so I carried it. We set out at 10 a.m. and started walking. I made sure the cadets had their boots properly tied and had enough water. We completed 15k in one day. This is where it gets weird. Me and Smith take turns being scout and tail end. Charlie, me, Smith, and the adult notice that we keep passing a medium-large boulder wherever we turn a blind, colder, a blind corner, but think nothing of it as is there probably a two-mile marker or something. We decide to cut through a small valley, aka dead ground. We wouldn't do this on patrol as this is basically walking into an ambush, but as it was just an expedition, we didn't have our weapons, drill-use weapons with a lead rod down the barrel to stop live rounds. We only use blank rounds even when on patrol. So, it was fine. We get the sign to halt from Smith as he was at the front. We have a water break, but both the adult and Smith at the front tell me that they believe there is another patrol out on ground because he heard voices. So we decided to take another unused route, but closer to a main path. We get to the top of a hill where you can see camp maybe 5 kilometers away. And, as we were booked out at night, we decided to camp there. A little bit about Salisbury. Sheep everywhere, cows, and horses are a little rarer. Sheep will come close to people, but never too close, so we thought, okay, camping on a hill with noise won't let the animals too close. We set up the tents, thin, two-man tents, and about eight of them. Me and the other female cadet, Smith and another male cadet, adult in his own, and the rest shared a tent between two, all facing inwards to each other. It gets dark, and we didn't see the other patrol return to camp, so we thought they were staying out at night too. We eat, and the moon comes up. We get in our tents and attempt to sleep. Smith's tent is to the left of mine, and the adult's tent is to the right. The other cadets are asleep, but not me, Smith, or the adult. I manage to drift off for about an hour when I wake suddenly. Smith is whispering to me from his tent, and I will literally never forget how my heart practically stopped. Who is walking around our tents? I thought for a second, maybe it's Jones, the adult. I would soon realize that it was not Jones, or any of the guys. I said that it could be a sheep since we've gone to bed. Steady, heavy, deliberate footsteps around the camp. Then they stopped, behind Jones's tent. Then breathing, real heavy. Whatever the hell it was, it was big to breathe that deep. I could tell that Jones was awake at this point because I heard moving in the tent. The moon is super bright as there is no light pollution and a shadow cast across the side of my tent where Jones's tent is. It is maybe seven or eight feet tall and has antlers. The body is misshapen and looks like its ribs are huge. It crouches and is the exact size and shape of the boulders we passed earlier. That means we passed whatever it was about five times on our way here. The creak of the tent poles against his tent brought me back to reality and the severity of the situation sunk in. There was something outside my tent and I cannot make a sound. Jones's radio suddenly clicked on and squealed feedback so loudly that in my surprise I screamed slightly. Whatever it was fell back and crushed the bottom of our tent and made a noise I never thought was possible. A human-animal screech. It was two-toned and sounded like something from a horror story. It got up and sounded like it ran on two legs, but steadied itself with two more, down the hill and over a small stream, where it splashed and kicked up some stones. I did not sleep a wink. Neither did Jones or Smith. 
The girl woke up at the screech, and so did a few boys, but I told them in the morning that it was sheep that was startled by Jones's radio turning on. In the morning, after a sleepless, terrified night, me, Jones, and Smith all confessed that we were all awake all night. Jones put his phone against his radio to give the feedback. We told nobody at the camp. We should have, but we didn't. Jones quit a week after returning from the camp, but me and Smith stayed until we were about 18, so we had to leave. We never told anyone, apart from now. I really hope that this thing never terrorized anyone again. There were no other patrols out that day, so the voices we heard had to come from somewhere. There's two things that I know that can mimic voices and hardly anyone believes in them, skinwalkers and wendigos. I wish at least one of us had a weapon that night to at least make us feel safe. Salisbury is huge, miles and miles of farmland and fields, so whatever's lurking out there should never be disturbed. Please never go to Salisbury Plains unless you want to encounter something that you have nightmares about for years after. I'm not expecting anyone to believe this because all I have is my word. If you don't believe me, then I hope you enjoyed the read. All right. Well, we know three things that can mimic uh, humans. Mm -hmm. One of them being skinwalkers. Yeah. I don't think they do it often. Yeah. Uh, they're the Wendigo. I uh, never which heard. Which is also skinwalkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then one, two, three, goat, goat man. man. I bet you that's what you were encountering. That's but also probably why it wasn't uh, trying to kill you. Yeah. Because I feel like they don't try to do it. They just are here to observe, blend in for some sick and reason, <laughs> and hang out. So it's probably also why it didn't, uh, you know, have any, like, really vicious intentions. Yeah. But God, I mean, God knows his intentions, because we have never been able to figure out what the goat man's M.O. is. Yeah, and it was probably mimicking their voices yeah, to just, try to get a handle yeah, on it. Yeah, I wonder if a goat man is like a parrot, where it's just like, oh, I hear that. I want to do that. Oh, I hear that. I want to do it. Or if it's actually like, I got to learn that, you know? I wonder if it's just something it does automatically, or it's something like, I, it's some kind of like sick need or something well, like that. Well, animals do that. They do parrot us. Uh, yeah. I mean, we've all heard the cat that says... Oh, well, hi. I like that cat. <laughs> I'm CEO of loving that cat. Oh, yeah. hi. Oh, hi. If you haven't seen the cat that says, oh, hi, in a country accent, please Google it. <laughs> oh, hi. It's very cute. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this does sound like a goat man was nearby. We know that they love to be in the woods. And you guys were in the woods. They love groups. Yep. And they love to, you know... They love to mimic. That's their thing. They're they're the oh hi of yeah. uh, the cryptids. So what I wrote down for this, obviously, we both think this is a goat man. I she's roughly five eight, but ripped. That's what she said. Yeah, she's <laughs> an MMA yeah, fighter. She is five eight. She's ripped. She could crush her head and in between her thighs like a walnut. Yeah. This girl doesn't mess around. She's on your blade. And she wants to keep an, her friends anonymous, which I don't understand when people say that because it's like literally you could have said anybody's names. We wouldn't have looked it up. We would have been, never been like, which is there any guys named Pete and Derek who are also in ROTC yeah. or whatever? Well, I know what Charlie you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. We have no idea. And than the most details I've ever heard in any story. Okay, so Paul was on this side. I was facing uh, 2 o'clock northwest, and it's like, none of that even matters. It's oh, very military. The parents, <laughs> the, parent, the parent tent was to the left. Now, the parents were all wearing socks. We weren't wearing socks, you know, because we're kids. We don't need socks. And uh, <laughs> Well, it's military, and she's a woman. Yeah. Oh, women. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> what was the significance of the boulder? They kept seeing a boulder. So I, I thought that was going to play a bigger part in something. No, they saw something that was this size, and they kept oh. writing it off like it was a boulder. And now she was like, oh, oh I think that was something the... stalking them. St yeah. Okay, I thought this story was going in the realm of we kept seeing the same boulder, and we kept uh, kind of like going in a circle almost. 
like some kind of trippy, like we saw that boulder before. Yeah, I think it was through the peripheral. They saw something big that really scares lurking me. around. It really them. scares me to like look over into the mountains and to see something like really big but really far away. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, oh, what is that? That like really freaks me out. Yeah. I, I think about that sometimes when I see mountains very far in the distance. I'm like, what if I just saw something huge running through those? Trying to get to a lunch yeah. meeting. Oh, God, or just I trying go. to get to a place where there's trees so it has cover or something like that. Yeah. But I just caught it at the moment that it was running by. So this thing was probably stalking you. It probably heard you talking, realized you were people, was like, what is that? I want to learn what that is. And then came by to kind of infiltrate you and then thing we know about Goatman is they're very unsuccessful in <laughs> a lot of these things. Yeah, and I think it was a Goatman over a Skinwalker, because Skinwalkers Would are... Would mess you up. Yeah, and they're also Native American, and this is England. Okay. So... Yeah, it's really hard to find Native American people in England. Yeah. All right, and then uh, that's all I wrote about for this. Okay. Keep going? Yep. Deep laugh. I'm in the Marine Corps. I've been on combat deployment to Afghanistan, and what I just experienced was unsettling to me. I'm currently stationed in Okinawa, Japan. Me and my wife and my three-year-old son live in a house off base near Camp Hansen. Tonight, we followed our normal routine, put the kid down to bed at 9.30, then settle into bed watching a movie before I take my husky out for one last walk. That's when the power goes out. It was off for roughly five minutes before it came back on. So we decided to turn off the lights and lay back down. It's pitch black in our house. We are laying there talking to each other. We suddenly stopped talking because we both heard what sounded like someone else was talking in our house. That's when it happened. A deep, guttural laugh that sent chills down my spine. Needless to say, I moved through my house to see if I could catch the intruder, but there was not anyone in my house but my family. All my windows and doors are locked, and more than likely, I will not sleep tonight. The only evidence I have is my wife also heard it, but it's pretending like she didn't hear it too. Okay, so here we have another story about Okinawa, Japan. Yeah. Which we learned is nowhere near the suicide forest, no. even though they're in neighbor, like, neighboring islands. Yeah. They're about 40, 40 hours apart. Um, I was just looking up why Okinawa, Japan is so haunted, and it does say that there's a lot of military stuff that goes there. Mm-hmm. It goes on there. There is a soldier who killed his family Um on the base there. Wow. And then the next family that moved in said the place was haunted. What do you make of this story? I mean, uh, obviously this guy has traveled from war zone to war zone. He may be carrying a spirit with him. He's a Marine, which means he is on ground. Uh, he has his wife and his kid, which means he's a little bit higher ranking, I believe. You know, if you're able to have your family. Yeah, well, it seems like this guy had his wife and kids too who did this thing. It says a lot of people experience um, a lot of... Pe- Service people on the base experience hallucination and urges to kill their family. Well, there's that PTSD, yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. remember speaking to a but soldier. But do you think it has something to do with the base, with the Okinawa? Uh, messing that, with them? Yeah, that that particular place, because that's what it's saying. When they're there, they have that. I mean, possibly. They got that, like, the shining uh, mentality. Possibly. Yeah. There, there's a lot that messes up, uh, of course, soldiers. Everything from just the daily occurrences to maybe that, maybe, yeah, the spiritual occurrences that we don't even think about. Right. All right. Anything else you want to say about this one? Um, no, I think, uh, I think I am spooked. (laughs) Chased out. I want to remain 
anonymous due to the nature of this story. See, I was in the Marine Corps. No, I wasn't in any special forces or anything unique per se. I was just a regular rank and file Marine. I was stationed at 29 Palms Marine Corps Air Ground Combat Training Center, MCAGCT for short. I wasn't the only one who has seen or experienced things in the training grounds and surrounding areas. I was told to keep my mouth shut, but I'm going to die soon anyway, so even if they do come for me, it isn't even going to make a difference. It was during early April, so the weather wasn't too bad. It wasn't hot during the day, and it wasn't cold at night. I always enjoyed doing field ops during that time of the year. I got away from the dumb stuff that we had to do in the day in, day out, back on main side, and I was typically left to my own devices while out in the field. Late one night, me and a buddy of mine are doing fire watch for our section of the rest area. We had our rifles, plate carriers, helmets with our NVGs, night vision goggles, mounted on the front and rifles with us. We also had four mags a piece of live ammo. That night, an artillery battalion was doing night practice so you'd hear the echo of guns followed by the sound of shells hitting the ground and exploding. It just sounded like far off thunder. Me and my friend were talking about just random stuff when I flipped down my NVGs and saw movement out in the distance. At first I thought it was just the green tint of the goggles messing with my head, but then I saw it again. I tapped my buddy and asked if he was seeing this. He flipped down his NVGs too and he nodded. Yeah, but what is it, a coyote? He asked. No, too big to be a coyote. Besides, it looks like it's running around on two legs, I said back to him. That's when he tapped me and pointed out into the dark. There's more than one, bro, he said. I looked to where he was pointing, and that's when I saw four or five other figures darting around in the dark. These things weren't that big, I'd say maybe about 5'5", five five, give or take. They also appeared to be very strong and build with massive arm and leg muscles. They were dark, and their skin looked leathery. They had big dark eyes and no nose to speak of. Their mouth was wide and filled with razor-sharp teeth. They walked around hunched over with their arms dangling by their sides. Their arms themselves were massive. They ran at insane speeds, occasionally running on all fours. They had four fingers on each hand, and the claws were long and sharp. It was like they had daggers on their hands for nails. Dude, I think they're getting closer. I nodded. Yeah, I'm going to get the corporal up. He nodded, and I raced over to where our corporal was sleeping and shook him awake. Hey, man, there's something out there. You need to come take a look. He cursed under his breath and sat up. This better be good. That's when we heard gunfire. I raced back to my buddy who was frantically shooting into the dark. I looked and I saw these creatures out in the dark, maybe four to three hundred yards away. As other marines had woken up to the sound of my buddy shooting, the OIC, officer in charge, came running up asking what was going on. When we pointed to the creatures, he froze in place. About this time, we heard tons of gunfire suddenly erupt from another unit who was conducting training as well. When I looked back at where these things were, they were no longer there. Instead, they were running on all fours directly at us. I raised my rifle and began to fire at them as those with guns and ammo joined in and the others who didn't ran back to get theirs. I lined up my sights with the closest one and began to fire into it. I saw chunks of flesh get ripped off when I hit it and it tumbled down, but without missing a beat it regained its balance and kept sprinting at us. At that point, I knew our rifles were useless, but I wasn't going to leave my buddy. That's when I heard the OIC yelling for us to get back in the trucks and get out of there and back to the main side. Me and my friend turned and booked it for our 7-ton. I flipped on the battery switch and my buddy cranked the truck on. As we began to start moving, I looked out the window in time to see these things reach the camp. A marine who hadn't realized what was going on until it was too late 
was impaled by one of the creature's claws and fell to the ground. I watched as he tried to claw, crawl away, but the thing leaned over and bit his upper torso and head completely off with a single bite. As we began to turn out of there, I saw a Humvee that had three of these things on racing towards it. The thing in the tur the guy in the turret tried to flip the 50 cal around to unload into the creatures, but he wasn't fast enough, and one of them ripped him out of the turret and flew him into the others. He didn't have time to move before the thing sank its claws into its chest and began to eat him. I watched as the thing on top of the Hun V then jumped down onto the hood and shattered the bullet-resistant front glass and pulled out the mangled corpse of the driver and run off into the desert with him. The remaining three marines got out and made a run for our truck. I tapped my buddy to let them go on. They never made it. One by one, the things picked them off and ran off with them, their screams fading off into the desert. By the time we got back onto the main road to the main side and caught up with the rest of our unit, we noticed how active the night sky had become. There were helicopters everywhere with searchlights. We figured someone had called it in and they were trying to find the creatures or the missing marines. Well, what was left of them anyways. When we were next up at the checkpoint, I noticed something off about the guys manning it. They wore all black, with black ski masks over their face and their MVGs down. They didn't have any patches, name tapes, or no identification with them. They were armed to the teeth though. One of their vehicles had a minigun mounted on it and they all carried high-powered rifles with high-tech sights, laser sights, and other attachments on their rifles. When it was our turn, they had st a step out of the truck and tell them what we saw. After we explained everything, the guy in charge looked at my friend and listed off his full name, date of birth, social security number, where his mom and dad were, the name of his dog that he had when he was in middle school. He then looked at me and did the same thing. Once he was done, he looked at both of us. If you mutter a word of what actually happened here tonight, you and your families will disappear for good, do you understand? We both nodded with our jaws on the floor. The guy had mentioned things that I had never told anyone about. Then they told us that if anyone asked, a group of marines went off to go get something and wound up getting lost. With that, they sent us back to the main side of the base. I got out about a year after that, but I never went on another field op again. To this day, I still relive that night when I go to bed each night. I just hope that whoever they were... They killed those things so no more Marines have to go out like that. In short, if you're ever stationed in 29 Palms, California, and you go on a field op, keep an eye out in the dark and be sure you aren't too far away from a vehicle and pray those things don't turn and decide to turn you into a meal. Okay, so this is in California where we are now. Yeah, 29 Palms. Yeah, well, the, I don't know where, the, let's see how far away that is. I performed in 29 Palms. What is that? Oh, I thought that it's was It's like a military city. Okay, where is it? Uh, it's probably about four hours away from here, going closer to Nevada, which okay. is where it says Area it's 51. two hours and 30 minutes away, oh. uh, which is very close to us. It's just very freaky. It's like a desert place, okay? Mm -hmm. So this has got to really suck because you're in the military and you got all these guns and this training and then these things come out and what can you do? You can't mm -hmm. kill these kind of things. Mm -hmm. um, this sounds like a Wendigo and I just looked up Wendigos and Skinwalkers are in fact different. They are oh. not the same thing. A Wendigo is not the same as a skinwalker. Wendigos are humans turned into monster, usually after eating human flesh. Skinwalkers mm. are like shamans that turn to the dark side. Mm. I remember we had a story um, of something that sounds like similar to what they had here with the claws and everything like that. Do you remember a story where a dad was killed? Yes. yes this yes, sounds yes. like a lot like that. And that was a Wendigo, if I remember yes. correctly. 
And that actually was like somebody died and, you know, this guy had proof that this really happened. Um, so it sounds like this is a similar thing. It sucks that it's in California. I mean, because that's where we are. But there are these things that exist. Um, yeah. And it might also be something that we've never heard of. I'm not sure. And it's very interesting that... And they they got to cover it up. Like, if you've ever been to 29 Palms, you're just like, why is there a military base out here? Right. Well, maybe it's because they accidentally made something and set it loose over there. Yeah. And there's nothing else over there. So, like, okay. Or maybe they're researching whatever it is that is over there. They don't know. Um, but I do think it's interesting they said never tell anybody anything about this. It's almost like the government already knows it's there. And either they're trying to control it or... Well, I don't know why they would put a base there where there's lots of people who would see them. Well, I believe the base is there, I mean, for, like, literal reasons is because it kind of is similar terrain to what they might face in the actual desert out if they get stationed somewhere else. But this might be the second reason. Yeah, and then, so they get captured, or they are okay, and then his friend lists his blood type, his network, his Netflix password, his phone code, his voter registration code. Why did he do all that? He, to let them know, we got all the information on you, so don't say a thing. Oh. <laughs> That's all it is. It's a scare okay. tactic. I would be like, yeah, I'm not going to say anything. Well, it didn't work because he wrote the story. Okay. All right, Uglies, it's that time. We're on to our last story, and before we get to it, we want to remind you to join the Facebook group at True Scary Stories with Edie. Go give us five stars because you love us, and you're Uglies, and we love you back. Uh, and also go check out the Instagram. It's at underscore true underscore scary underscore stories with Edie. Or you can just look for the hashtag T-S-S-W-E, and you should be able to find it. Also check out Just the Terror, which comes out every Sunday. And last but not least... We are going to be in Tahoe this week. If you want to come see Nick do stand-up, he's very funny. Yeah. So our NorCal people, be there or be hella square. Yeah, and I got some other dates that I'll be announcing soon, and everything from San Diego to San Antonio to Dallas to other things. All right, this last story is called The Shrine Stood. This is my dad's story. He served in the Taiwanese Marines as a drill sergeant. Much of the ground in Taiwan saw violence under occupation. And it was rumored his base was built on or near a mass grave. Needless to say, he has had a few paranormal stories. He had a guy report to him in the morning exhausted but frazzled. The night before, he had been on guard duty overlooking the firing range. The targets on the range were a mix of clay and wood figures, cut and drawn to look like an enemy soldier aiming a rifle at you. According to the guard, when he had been bored out of his mind staring out over the range, he saw, clear as day, one of the clay soldiers wearily lay down his rifle and exclaim, Damn, I'm tired. The guard said he passed out from fright. During the evening, when training was over, the sergeants, for the most part, had the time to themselves. My dad liked to go snake hunting during dusk, when the heat was rising from the ground and the snakes came out of their holes. So one evening, he sets out, carrying a bag, a nice long stick, and a flashlight. I was making his way across a field, zigzagging in a search pattern, he found himself getting closer and closer to an old, decrepit outhouse that had been abandoned as it was too far from the main base. As he got within a few yards of it, he was hit with a sudden feeling of apprehension. Something told him going near the outhouse was a bad idea. At that moment, his flashlight aimed right at the construct, and it went out. He fiddled with the battery, smacked it, thought, better get a new battery, and turned around to head back. The moment he turned and faced the main base, the flashlight flickered back on. 
Great, time to keep hunting. The moment he turned to face the outhouse, it flickered off again. Face the base, it flickered on. He did this two or three times, got the message, verbally apologized for intruding, turned, and walked calmly back to the base. The base itself was surrounded by forests and mountains, the natural terrain of Taiwan. One day, a soldier was reported missing. As the day went on, it was clear that he'd either deserted or was in serious trouble. A manhunt rescue team was organized, and most of the base was out searching for the guy as the rain started to come in. As night fell, they called it off and got ready to try again tomorrow. They found him in the morning, huddled in a wet, dark cave, scared speechless and out of his mind. No one was sure what he saw to cause him to freak out, and they never found out. They shipped the guy out soon afterwards. Finally, one of his years on the base, it was hit with a huge typhoon. Typhoons are pretty regular in Taiwan, especially during the summer, but this one was going to set records. Everyone hunkered down and reinforced the base as best as they could, and it held well. And after days of relentless rain and wind, they emerged to survey the damage. One of the trees on the base had been hundreds of years old. It sat on a hill and overlooked the base, and so had been the site of a Buddhist shrine set at its roots. Now, the roots twisted and turned into the air. The storm had torn the tree from the ground, and yet the shrine itself was untouched. Even the red silk covering, with nothing weighing it down, hadn't moved an inch despite the winds that had finally torn the great tree from its hill after hundreds of years. The soldiers took this as a sign that despite whatever would be thrown against them, their spirit would remain strong and unmoved. Oh, I like that. I like things that are a sign. Yeah. I like to take everything as a sign. But uh, what do you think of the story? Um, well, I think he did the best thing by apologizing for intruding to whatever was there uh, near the outhouse. That's, that's a good thing to Yeah, do. I do feel like, uh, I always say, like, don't talk to spirits and things like that. But I think in your head, you kind of, or you get your own vibe from what the right thing to do is. And I think you should always follow your intuition. And yeah. if you think they want to be acknowledged, you should follow that intuition. And if you feel like they're telling you, like, hey, you need to go away, you need to follow that intuition. Or if you feel like it, it would do, you know, some good to apologize, I think you should go with that intuition. I think he did dead on what he should do. Yeah, so we have the base is built, this rumor to built near a mass grave, right? The soldier saw the clay soldier move and say that it was tired. Um, you could say that this was just him being exhausted and his mind playing tricks on him. But it could also be like, yeah, like a, a haunting just being like, I'm tired, you know, and freaking him out. Right, something that's trying to kind of just reach out and maybe give some kind of... Uh little little dialogue going something yeah. that wants to be acknowledged okay what else uh and then we have of course uh the, the soldier that's reported missing they don't know why he got scared uh what freaked him out and then him himself and the uh, the buddhist um what is it the buddhist shrine uh-huh a lot of very spiritual things, you can feel the energy, especially if it's like a shrine. Uh, did I ever tell you that I went to Turkey to go perform for the troops? Uh -huh. And uh, we visited the last known place of the uh, Virgin Mary, where her oh. last house, where she lived. And literally, when you walk in there, you feel this energy, like just this strong energy. Ooh. And I was just like, okay, it feels like this is a holy place. Yeah, yeah. Or even if it's like not a holy place just the the thoughts that people put into it the energy that they put in when they go there and yeah. the pilgrimage to go there might actually have an effect too 
the Virgin Mary, who probably was not a virgin. Not at that time. At, at that time, but man, you got to be labeled by one thing. <laughs> I was a virgin and had a kid one time, and I'm the Virgin Mary for life. Well, maybe, but that's probably an honor to her. You know, it, uh, I don't yeah. think women get upset about being called virgins. I over. would. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. That seems like a kind of lame nickname, the yeah. Virgin Mary. So if you appeared to people as a virgin Edie, you'd be like, hey, I got laid. <laughs> it wasn't always that way. Come okay. on, guys. Oh, this is blasphemy, by the way, what we're saying. <laughs> yes, we are. Very disrespectful. We're sorry to all of our Catholic uh, listeners. Oh, they'll be forgiven. They're fine. Go to go to confession. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's the, the Baptist that'll be upset. The Baptists? No, know. that's not how it goes. Man, you don't know nothing. <laughs> anyway, uh, besides that, yeah, shrine, obviously a, a very uniquely spiritual thing. Always yeah. with shrines. No matter what they're shrine to. Zach, uh, Zach Efron, <laughs> shrine, any kind of shrine. I always see shrine, shrines at like the little, um, when I go get like my nails done or something, they always yeah. have like a shrine and I always wonder what it is. Or when I get my eyebrows done, they have those little shrines where they put the, all the like, oh, where they put their, yeah, their like stuff. oranges and like little things. I'm like, oh, I wonder what that means. Uh, isn't oranges, isn't that more of a, um, oh my God, a I mean, Persian thing? I don't like know. Putting oranges on a shrine. I don't know. I don't want to say because I'm not sure, but I thought it was like a thing for like uh, prosperity or something like yeah. that. But yeah, I think a lot of cultures have these, you know, little shrine things. All right. Well, thank you so much, Uglies, for listening to this episode of True Scary Stories with Edie. I really liked this episode. My favorite was the Goatman story. I yeah. really like that story. <laughs> He's like, hey, guys. Yeah. Hey, this, kids. I don't know what it is about the Goatman, but it really freaks me out. Like, it's just because you don't know what his intentions are, I guess. And it's just like, why? And you kind of pity him. Yeah. And there's got to be, like, in the, the world of different uh, different cryptids and different demons and things like that, there's got to be some that are just like... Like us, they're just here and they're neither good or bad. Some are good, some are bad, you know. And I wonder if he's one of those ones that's just like, yeah, I'm just around. I don't really have any purpose and yeah. here I am. Kind of like maybe Duendes. It's like, you guys good or bad? Well, maybe there's some bad ones and there's some good ones, just like people. Well, there's mischievous ones. Mischievous is definitely my favorite brand of spooky creature. Yes. I love a mischievous. Yes. I love a mischievous <laughs> Let's creature. Let's play pranks. Ooh. Yeah. I think if I was, I would be a very mischievous ghost. And I can't wait to haunt all the uglies, which yeah. I'm going to do. Especially booger nose and butt ears. Yeah, butt ears and booger nose. Christy's kids. And someone wanted me to shout out their kids. And I totally told them I would. And I said, remind me because I will forget. And they didn't remind me, so guess what happened? They didn't get a forgot, shot. I forgot. And then probably like six months later, I was in the shower, and I was shaving my legs, and I was like, oh, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> so whoever that was, just message me again, and I'll give you keys to shout out. All right, we love you, uglies, and we'll see you next week.